None of the law keeping that we do is going to erase our sins. Christ did that, right? At the, at the tree, he erased our sins, and we remain in a repentant attitude, even though we do sin, we don't want to. Paul said in Romans 7, I do the things I know I shouldn't, and I don't do the things I know I should. And we're just like Paul. And we struggle with it. But does that mean we're not supposed to try? And when I tried to explain to them that we're supposed to be obedient, and they kept saying, you, know, you can't obey any laws that's going to save you. And I'd put on my post, I agree. No laws are going to save you. Christ did that. But I said there's a twofold reason for the law. One, it was to convict you of the sins that you had done. And in that conviction, the death penalty reigned over you. Until Christ came and we accepted his sacrifice and his life's blood, now that is gone. I said, you're right. They're not going to keep you, uh, they're not going to uh, uh, cleanse you of your sins. But I said, there's another part of the law. The part that says it is like a, uh, it's a teaching. For we had not known sin, Paul says, I had not known sin unless I saw the commandment that says, thou shalt not lust or thou shalt not commit adultery. And he says uh, about the law, he says, where the, where the uh, sin did abound, grace abounded more. And I heard that. Grace, we're under grace. We're not under the law. And I said, I, right, we're not under the death penalty. But that doesn't do away with the law. I always like to use the analogy. There's a red light out here. If you run that red light and you get pulled over by a policeman, he has the option. He can write you up and give you a ticket or he can just give you a warning, kind of a pardon. So, I said, does that mean the next week I can run that red light and he's not going to do anything? The law's still there. And this part of the law that we need to focus on in our lives is a part that teaches us how to conduct ourselves in society. I said, and I just went over and over with them, and they always come back to Paul and different Galatians and other places, and I explained to them the handwriting of ordinances was this. In that society, if you owe a person a debt, if you are in debt to them, you wrote out a handwritten note and you signed it, giving it to him, saying that you owe him. That's what it was. And when it talks about the handwriting of ordinances and all the other things, it's talking about the rudiments of this world. This world's ordinances, this world's society, this world's culture. It wasn't talking about the commandments of God. And in one place it talks about, well, you keep days and this and that and the other. And you... <sighs> I tell you, I just wore myself out there for a while, and I, I, I paused and, and went away from it for a while, and then got right back in it. But I can't, I, can't, uh, I can't seem to get those folks to understand that there was a dual purpose to the law. And even though Christ did away with that death penalty, the law still stands. And until heaven and earth pass, not one jot, not one tittle in any way shall pass from the law. Matthew 5.17 says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Oh yeah, that's right, he fulfilled it. He did it. Yeah, I'm free. I have no responsibility. 
I don't even, I got into the Sabbath, of course, and got into the, the holy days, and got into the man-made uh, uh, holidays. And uh, uh, Jeff, he's the one that started the question, a friend of mine uh, from school. He, he, <laughs> he come back and he says, uh, uh, well, uh, yeah, all the days that man keeps are, uh, you know, from pagan origins, Okay. Uh, they're man-made traditions, and you shouldn't even keep them. You don't even have to keep Sunday. He said, I don't care if you keep Saturday or Sunday, you don't have to. Oh, okay. And then if that wasn't bad enough, uh, my wife and I, I uh, wonder if I might have a shot of water, I'm getting kind of dry. My wife and I went to my uh, sister-in-law, her sister's 90th birthday party. It's been about, what, three... Yeah, it was early May. Okay, in early May. I got some, thank you. Are you going to bless it and turn it into wine? All right, let me... We went to that party. And I was in a private conversation with her daughter, our niece. And right out of the blue, she let me know that she had been studying with this guy that went to the same school I did. He's a um, surveyor. And she had been in to Buddha. Now this girl is 56 or 7 years old. Been in the Baptist church all of her life. Say what you will about the Baptist. At least they have some good principles that they teach. Um, she just floored me. Buddha? She says, I don't know what you think about it. And I said, well... <laughs> I don't think much at all about it, you know. Uh, I said, it's not for me. I said, we have a creator God. And she said, well, we have a creator. But with them, she said, there's no gods. There's no really right and wrong. They accept everything and everyone. I'm thinking, oh, just how lovely is that? <laughs> We're in the church of what's happening now. And you do anything you want to, by any means, and then I got into it with uh, the folks there on Facebook again, and uh, I'm mean, just chewing back and forth, back and forth. Um, and I, I told them on two or three different occasions, I said, even if you don't believe the Ten Commandments are in uh, effect any longer, you're keeping them, at least to a certain amount. If you're not killing, stealing, raping, robbing, lying, you're keeping the Ten Commandments. Well, anyway, I, I wore myself out. I probably wore them out too. <laughs> I think they got away from the subject. Uh, but anyway, I thought about all that, and I thought about Israel's history. Now, you can go through the Old Testament Scriptures, and you can read about Israel's history. You know that they were taken out of Egypt. They were put in the Promised Land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Um, Joshua was the only one that made it over, I think, uh, maybe Caleb. Uh, anyway, they went over into the promised land, and God said, I'll set you up, and I'll remove all the kingdoms, you know, all the people from you, that is, you should remove them. And guess what they did? They removed part of them. Now, he says, I want you to remove these people for, for this cause, not race or anything like that. It has everything to do with who they worship and what they worship. 
He says, I want you to remove every one of them out. Remove all their altars. Remove all their gods and anything that resembles their gods. Uh, groves and trees and all those things. Remove them and remove the people. Because he says, I don't want you giving your sons and your daughters to those people. It wasn't didn't have anything to do with race. Had everything to do with who they worshipped. And he knew that the sons and the daughters being closely affectionate with their significant other would be swayed to worship their gods. I didn't, I didn't write it in my notes, but let's go to Deuteronomy, the 12th chapter. He strictly commanded them not to do what they decided to do. Deuteronomy 12, and I will begin in verse... Uh, I'll begin in verse 28. Deuteronomy 12, verse 28. Observe and hear all these words which I command you, that it may be well with thee and with your children. And let me ask you this. What's bad about the Ten Commandments? Nothing to us. But what's bad about the Ten Commandments to society? The Sabbath. Huge, huge issue. And, of course, I brought up the fact that uh, Rome's challenge to the Protestants. Anybody ever read that? It's a fantastic article that the church, that is the uh, Catholic Church, wrote in the late 1800s, 1890-something, I think, or I believe it was. And it was in response to the Protestants raising Cain about the World's Fair being open on Sunday. So the Catholics wrote this Rome's challenge to the Protestants. And they used all the scriptures that the Protestants used that's supposed to prove that the day that we're supposed to gather and assemble and worship is Sunday. And they blew them all away. Blew them out of the water just like we would. You have nothing to stand on. You Protestants, which came out of us, and said that you used only the Bible as a means or source to guide you, you're not being guided. Because if you were, you'd be keeping the Sabbath. But we changed the Sabbath. And you're paying obeisance to the Catholic Church that you detested and came out of. It's mainly just a geographical difference. Protestants here, Catholics there. So, he tells them here, I want you to observe these commandments, so that it may go well with your children after you forever. When thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. And I tried to present that to those people. I said, it's the right thing to do. And their lives will agree to that to a certain extent. If they're not lying, stealing, committing adultery, and all those things that God said don't do. And by the way, if you ask them about it, okay, the law's done away with, uh, so you can go out and rape and rob. No, 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 no. A Christian wouldn't do that. Oh, okay. You're right, they wouldn't. But why? If there's no law, then there's no sin. But then again, it just, you know, right over their heads. And, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know if any, if that, any of that stuff took, 
if there's any seed planted that, that started to germinate or not, I probably won't know, um, maybe until we get into the kingdom of God. Because you know how long it takes sometimes for people to, uh, uh, to absolve uh, or, or dissolve the word of God and, and for it to take, take root and grow. But it says, do that which is right in the sight of the Lord your God. Verse 29, when the Lord your God shall cut off the nations from before you, where you goest to possess them, and you succeedest them, and dwellest in their land. Take heed. Take heed. To yourself that you be not snared. There was something that I heard the other day about uh, a, uh, a little eagle egg. And... It had wound up in the midst of chickens. The egg hatched, and the eagle had all of his surroundings, all of the chickens, which he grew up doing what they do. He pecked on the ground, picked up the seeds and the bugs, he did everything a chicken would do. He was a chicken. When you're in the cesspool like we are, it's hard not to get stuff on you. And our society is full of cess. It's a pool. So the thing I'm trying to bring to point here is, this is what happened to Israel. They were in amongst all these nations. They didn't drive them all out. So they began to influence their children. And guess who children influence? You go to a grocery store and you start to check out and all the things that children like are right there. Now, did that just happen? Or is that somebody thinking about children ruling the roost at times? You know, they don't want, to, don't want them to make a scene here in the, in the store. You know. Uh, i never forget the time I carried my grandson. He was about I don't know, six or seven years old, uh, to the store there in Texarkana. And I, I told him because his mother, you know, kind of bribed him with things. Uh, if you do this, I'll bring you back that. So I told him before I got, uh, got in the car, I said, okay, you can go with me. But just remember this. I'm not buying you anything. Nothing. Okay. So he got there. I had him up in the buggy. Got up to the checkout stand. First thing you know, his little paw was over there and pulled something back. I said, put it back. I'm not buying it for you. Well, he said a word that he heard from his parents. That is kind of synonymous with bovine scatology. And I just, I was like shrunk. You know, and I couldn't, I couldn't get really upset at him because he had just heard it from his mother or his dad or somebody, some adult. Because kids just don't grow up saying those things. They learn them. Okay, That's what I'm saying about Israel. That's what I'm saying about the, the chicken that was an eagle who thought it was a chicken. You are what you surround yourself with. We are what we take into our mind and our hearts and our soul. That's what we are. And that's what will come out. And if you don't believe that the commandments are to be kept, then you, your moral compass sometimes gets, you know, uh, it's like a gyroscope that's going out of 
you know, going crazy. And it can't get you to where you need to be as far as a human being. But he said, do not be snared, verse 30, that you be not snared by following them and after they be destroyed from before you and that you uh, inquire not, that you do not, you know, inquiring minds want to know. I'll never forget, it was a Star Magazine, I think, and I was checking out a store there in Texarkana, and they've got those things right up there by the checkout stand. And this one had a particular thing on it that <laughs> made me laugh and blew my mind. It was supposedly a little green man from Moon or somewhere shaking hands with Bill Clinton. I'm thinking, what is this? You can't make this stuff up. And I, and I, you know, I didn't buy the magazine, but I will have to tell you, it did kind of, I wonder what they had to say inside the story, you know? <laughs> Crazy stuff. I mean, but people want to know. They're inquisitive. They're curious. And as they say, curiosity killed a cat. It also killed Israel. It killed Israel. And we find here that they are not supposed to do, it says, uh, verse 30 again, uh, latter part of it, asking how did these nations serve their gods? Even so, I will do likewise. And that always brings me back to the Exodus when Moses was up on a mountain for 40 days and the Israelites started having a banquet, a party, an uh, orgy. And they had this, this, this jewelry that they melted down and made a golden calf. And they said, tomorrow we'll keep a feast unto the eternal the Lord with this pagan deity how's that work and every week every week Protestants Catholics go to church on Sunday thinking they're doing what God told them to do not really having a clue why? Now, I tried to enlighten them about that Rome's challenge to the Protestants, showing how that man has changed the Sabbath and the holy days, and changed time. Um, when did the new year begin? January 1st? No. Even nature, Romans 1 tells us that we can see God in the whole Godhead in the things that he created. Nature tells us. It reminds me of the song that uh, George Strait sang about leaving the hospital, and he had, a, I think his grandson was born, a grandchild. He's leaving the hospital. He says, I saw God today, talking about the child. And then he gets walking on the sidewalk, and up to the crack is a pretty little flower. I saw God today. I think like that. When I see everything that is out there for us, that was made for us, for our benefit, I see God. It reminds me of where Christ said to Thomas and others, How long have I been with you and you haven't seen the Father? Everything I say is what I've heard my Father say. Everything that I do is the example that my father set. Me and my father are one. But people still go to church every week on Sunday. And I'm not saying that they're just 
there, there, there's a lot of good people in the Sunday Church. I'll put it that way. A lot of good people, uh, generous and, and that sort of thing. My sister, beautiful lady. Um, of course, when my wife tried to talk to her about the commandments, she said, Oh, them old Moses laws. Well, I don't think Moses gave those laws, did he? I think God gave the laws to Moses, and Moses transferred them to the people. And the people said, We will do it. Uh, yeah. For a while. Um, verse 31. You shall not do so unto the Lord your God, for every abomination to the Lord which he hates have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. Now how could Israel, after seeing all the miracles that God did, turn to this? Well, it didn't happen overnight. It's like the old story about the frog in the, in the water. You turn the heat up, you know, and it starts boiling. He won't jump out until he gets uncomfortable. And they didn't get uncomfortable. He says, verse 32, What things soever I command you observe to do it, you shall not add thereto it, or shall you diminish from it. I am God, I change not. Think not that I come to destroy But I came to fulfill. And they were talking about the law being a schoolmaster. Okay? And then when Christ came, done away with the schoolmaster. Done away with the law. Well, in that society, the schoolmaster was not only there to teach the children, but they were there to discipline the children. And to exact penalties on, on the children that misbehave. That was their job, not only to instruct, but to correct. And God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to take that part of it away. The penalty part. The death penalty. But not the law itself. But you try to teach a bunch of Protestants that... And you got your work cut out for you. And they're not bad people. They're just they're just uh, they're just like the, the little eagle that is around all of his surroundings. The traditional things that the chickens do is what the eagle started doing. And he thought he was a chicken. Kind of reminds me of that movie where um, I can't think of his name. A comedian was raised by a black family. He thought he was black. Steve Martin. Yeah. You know, you, you live in a culture and society, you have all these traditions, just like I did. I grew up keeping Easter and Christmas and Halloween, and oh boy, did I go out for Halloween. Me and my brother both, we carried, we carried grocery sacks. <laughs> because we were in it for the long haul. Yeah. And I would go to school every day for several weeks with my pockets loaded down with candy. Didn't have much candy where I come from. We didn't have much money. And so I, I, you know, my brother and I, we were twins, both are tall. And uh, the only thing that stopped me from going <clears throat> any longer was what <clears throat> we knocked on the door. And this lady looked at us and said, aren't y'all a little bit too old or too... Or what? <laughs> so that, that stopped my Halloween, okay? But I grew up in that sort of thing. You, you know, you grow up and you have all these surroundings and you do what your parents did. 
it's the effect that society has on every individual they grow up doing what their parents did uh, Deuteronomy 31 <clears throat> and uh, verse 16 this is talking about Moses he's going to go um, go to sleep it says verse 16 uh, the Lord said unto Moses behold you shall sleep with your fathers and this people will rise up and go a whoring now what kind of whoring were they going to do they were going to do spiritual whoring fornication they were going to learn of other gods it says here after the gods of the strangers of the land whether they go to be among them and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them talks about his anger being killed in verse 17 and they've been devoured in verse 18 he says I will hide my face in that day from all the evils which they shall they have wrought and <clears throat> that they are turned unto other gods and he says write this in a song and teach it to the children verse 19 verse 20 he talks about again they they're going into the land they'll be it'll be flowing with milk and honey and when they have eaten and filled themselves and waxen fat rich wealthy Glean. Like my puppy dog. He's eaten well enough that his coat just gleams and shines. and He's a pretty good puppy. But this is what God is talking about. You, you'll go into that land, you'll wax fat, and then they will turn, it says, unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. Now what did God say about the Sabbath day? early on it is a sign between me and my people and you know and Israel's moving away from that they not only lost uh, contact with God <clears throat> more and more every decade or year or whatever uh, but they lost something else it was extremely valuable and it's something that our society has lost they have lost their identity as God's children. They like to take his name, evoke his name. They like to put the uh, fish cap on, you know, and <laughs> uh, Dagon cap, you know, and uh, oh, I, I received a really funny, uh, I'll show it to you if you'd like to see it later on my phone. Uh, I got it from a, a church guy in uh, Little Rock. He sent me a picture of the Pope with the uh, mitre on, filled with fries, and McDonald's up here. Yes, that was so funny. I cracked up. <laughs> but they have all these things that God never intended for them to have. The Sabbath was a sign between him and his children. And when you leave those things behind, you have left behind your identity. In this message, if you need a title, it's called the lost identity speaking of Israel they lost their identity and therefore they were put into captivity time and time again chapter 32 it tells us verse 9 the Lord's portion is his people Jacob is his lot is the lot of his inheritance the children of Jacob, the twelve tribes of Israel, 
were God's inheritance. They were his portion. They were his people. They were the people that he was so intimate with. Even speaking to them. Even going with them 40 years in the wilderness, before them and behind them. Being a light, a guide. And what does it say in the book of Psalms about the commandments? They are a lamp unto my feet. I don't know. I told the folks, I said, if you're telling, if you don't think you should keep the commandments and you're teaching other people that they shouldn't, you're on a slippery slope, dangerous ground. And of course, I went over the book of John where it talks about, he says he loves me, will keep my commandments. My commandments will not be grievous unto him. I just don't know where they... How they've blown all that stuff away. And I don't know all the slippery slope they, they have that would make them believe that that's not what God means. Christ said, if you want to be my friend, you will keep my commandments. Now, none of us are going to keep them perfectly, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. In verse 10, he found him in a desert land and in the waste, howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Jacob was special because of Abraham, Isaac. Verse 11, as an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings and taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Yet. Yet. Verse 13, he made him to ride on the high places of the earth. What else can you ask for from a God? He gives you a land rich, flowing with milk and honey. Grapes, you have to carry them over your shoulder. Now we have grapes like this. What else could they ask for? What else could God do for them? He gave them all the desires of their heart. He gave them wealth. The, the fruit of the womb was, was uh, uh, fertile and had lots of children and, and land and cattle and much, much, much. And guess what Israel did? Well, let's read. He made him, verse 13, to ride the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock. Butter of kind, milk, sheep, lambs, rams, <clears throat> the breed of Bashan, and goats with the fat of the kidneys of wheat. And you did drink the pure blood of the grape. But Jeshurun, which is another word for Israel, waxed fat and kicked. It reminds me of a spoiled child that the parents have given that child everything that they wanted. And then maybe when they asked for something else, the parents balked and then they threw the fit. Many a parent are afraid to discipline their children today because that's the society that we live in. 
certain states, I believe Florida is one of them, if you're caught spanking your child in public, you might be in trouble with the agencies that they're supposed to protect children. Well, we need an agency that should protect the children from that agency. Because the parents are the ones that are supposed to teach and discipline. But today, stick them in childcare. Go off and work. Make money. Everything's good. You make money, everything's good. Everything else falls in place. Got to have money. Ooh, money. J. Paul Getty says, I'd give all of my money for one happy marriage. And I've often said, and I'll say it again, there's nothing better than a good marriage. There's nothing worse than a bad one. Yep, that's true. And he couldn't find a good marriage. He couldn't buy a good marriage. And he had plenty of money to do it. But he just couldn't. But it says, verse 15, You are waxen fat, you grown thick, you are covered with fatness, then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. My head just goes round and round and round when I, when I read that. I was like, oh, how did they do this? How did they get so far from the God that created them? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> frog in the throat. Over in Deuteronomy 28, I won't turn there, it talks about the what? The blessings and the cursings. They were laid out. It's not like the Israel could say, well, God didn't tell us what we needed to do. Man told me one time that his boss came up to him and says, you're not making the grade. And he said, he looked at his boss and said, well, you haven't given me a uh, idea of what my responsibilities are of what I'm supposed to do what what is my job description you haven't given that to me so if I'm failing then you need to tell me what I need to do to make it right Israel could not say that before they went into that land they were given commandments that would guide them, lead them, make them wealthy make their children disciplined, make their lives good the good life the first commandment that God gave to Israel was this if you obey my voice I will be your God and you will be my children and to think I, I mentioned this in my uh, <clears throat> Facebook writings I said it's really hard to think that Jesus Christ suffered so bad so terribly bad that suffering as it tells us in Isaiah the 51st chapter that his visage his image was marred more than any man and I believe that to mean both physically and spiritually Mary did not recognize him he was beaten so badly his visage was marred more than any man 
Well, let's just turn there, because I... Isaiah 51. And now, today, they have not marred his image, they have marred him spiritually. Thinking that the things that they do are pleasing to him. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Actually, it's uh, chapter 52, Isaiah 52. And it's speaking of the suffering and triumph of the servant. Verse 30, 13. Chapter 52 of Isaiah, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished or astonished at you, his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths, and lo, oh, 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 bring it on. <laughs> when it comes to campaigns, it's hard for me to keep my food down. I've got to where I mute. There's no campaigns. There's no discussion of issues. There is vilifying. There is demonizing of the other person. And the one that's better at lying and demonizing is the one that's going to get elected. Or he may be charismatic. It doesn't have to do a thing with the issues. It's just all about the person and how much they demonize the other person and how eloquent they are at doing it. But the king shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they have not heard shall they consider. You know, I know that each president that's come before the one we have now, it's probably felt like they were a God-fearing person. Probably got on their knees many times and prayed about the situations that they were confronted with. But the truth of the matter is, they were just as far from God as anybody else in mainstream Christianity. They swallowed everything that the chickens gave them. They pecked on the ground. They strutted. They got in a dust and did this, to, trying to keep the parasites off. But the parasites were within. Isaiah 1 talks about they're sick from the head to the toe. I didn't plan to read it, but let's go to Isaiah, the second chapter. There's interesting language here in Isaiah 2. <clears throat> the first chapter deals with the condemnation of Judah. The denunciation of Judah. And then we get into chapter 2. It talks about Jerusalem. And verse 1. 
Verse 2, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. The government of God shall be established over all the other governing entities that are left on this earth. All the kings, the presidents, whoever is left on this earth, he will be above all of them. And we will be going into the rocks and the caves and flushing people out. Because there's going to be a lot of people like this in Isaiah. That all the things that they've accumulated. Are not going to amount to a hill of beans. When they finally see that this rapture is a lie. They're not up there observing all the uh, penalties of the sinners there on earth. But they're in amongst them. The rapture. I call it the rupture because if you really just study it, you, really, you realize that there is no rapture like they talk about. That they're not going to heaven and observe all the sinners down there popping and sizzling like a piece of bacon over a spigot. It never gets done, by the way. It just keeps popping and sizzling and frying and you keep smelling it. I was somewhere the other day and I smelled pork bacon. I don't remember where it was, but it, it was strong. Oh, I know it was. It was last night at my uh, uh, sister's house and, and my nephew's. And I have a funny story about my nephew. Um, the year before, we went to uh, our son-in-law's house, ex-son-in-law's, and uh, on the Days of Unleavened Bread, and we were trying to give them all the uh, leavened products. And I got a response from my son-in-law. So the next year I took it over to my nephew's house. And he, naturally they want to know why you're bringing over cookies, crackers, bread, and flour and stuff like that to them. Is this take care of the poor folks today or what is this? You try to explain to them. Well, this is the days that we keep that we don't have any leavening in our houses or any products because it represents sin and they'll tell you I want your, I want your sin in my house I got the response from both of them so I didn't try it the third time from then on we just got rid of it you know instead of trying to help somebody with it <laughs> just got rid of it but I, it was so funny I got the same response from both of them very same response but here in Isaiah 2, it talks about in verse 3. Uh, well, wait, let's read the latter part of verse 2. Uh, the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. Nice, huh? Very nice. Verse 3. And many people shall go and say, Come you and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us his ways. What did God teach Jacob? Commandments. Oh. and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem we know that Jesus Christ will set his feet down on the Mount of Olives it will split river of living waters will flow from his throne healing the land, the seas the earth 
Verse 4, he shall judge among the nations, shall rebuke, rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their pruning hooks, uh, or spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Oh, this is all good. We would all agree that that's, that's really good. That's, that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for our assignment in God's kingdom where he will tell us where to go and who to gather our assignments, our duties. As king of kings and lord of lords, he'll pick us as his uh, lesser kings and lords over people who don't know him. And we shall teach them. Verse 5. O house of Jacob, come you and let us walk in the light of the Lord. He said... Therefore, thou hast forsaken your people, the house of Jacob, because they be replenished from the east. <gasps> Buddha. Just love everybody. Just let it ooze, flow. No bad person. No right or wrong. And creator God. Buddha, Muhammad. Hmm. And you know, uh, I think people are turning away from modern day Christianity because if you read the scriptures, it will cause you to separate yourself from certain people. Now, when God extracted Israel out of Egypt, he says, I have severed you. I have separated you from other people. Why? So that you could be my people and set an example for all the nations around you. Saying, who has a God that's so great, wonderful, merciful, magnificent, powerful, that's what Israel's duty was. To be a shining light in the middle of a cesspool. And they let the cesspool overtake them. And they became a chicken. Instead of an eagle. It says, You are replenished from the east and are soothsayers like the Philistines and they please themselves in the children of strangers. Inquiring minds need to know, you understand? That's why those magazines are so successful. Man, you got my curiosity peaking here. I got to see who Bill Clinton's shaking, whose hand he's shaking. This dude have a name? Little green man? Little stick man? Uh, verse 7 describes us. Their land is also full of silver and gold. Neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses. Neither is there any end to all of their chariots. Um, automobiles. Modes of transportation. Modern day chariots. Their land, verse 8, is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands and that which they made of their own fingers, that which their own fingers have made. In the latter part of this chapter, he says, uh, 
Verse 17, the loftiness of men shall be bowed down and the haughtiness of men shall be made low and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord's wrath where he puts an end to those who are trying to destroy the earth. As it says in the book of Revelation. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord. For the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. I'll never forget we went to the feast that year that uh, earthquake. Uh, just, the, just prior to the starting of the Feast of Tabernacles that year, earthquake hit San Francisco. You saw all the images of, of roads on top of uh, others that were collapsed. I remember one guy that was under that collapsed, and he lived for about seven days, I think. And then his kidneys, he didn't have anything to drink, his kidneys shut down, and he died. They got, they got him out, I think, but he died. And I remember all those images. And it reminds me of this scripture here, only on a much larger scale. Because when God decides to shake the earth, those uh, earthquake-proof buildings, they'll come a-tumbling down. Like the walls of Jericho, they'll come a-tumbling down. So here it says... Uh, Verse 20, In that day shall man cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. He says that again. He's going to shake this earth and he's going to shake it up. Now I want to close with the book of Amos. Amos, the 8th chapter. I rarely go there, so it may take me a little while to find it. There we go. Amos, the 8th chapter. And my caption says, A vision of a basket of summer fruit. We just got through worshiping the, uh, of the day of the uh, summer festival of Pentecost. And it's talking about summer fruit here. Um, I want to break into the chapter and go to verse 9. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go, cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in, in the clear day. And I will turn your feasts into mourning and your songs into lamentation. And I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins and baldness upon every head. And I will make it as a, a morning of an only sun and the end thereof as a bitter day. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. You know, that day is here. That day has already come. It's here. But I want to, I want to close with chapter, uh, that same chapter, but verse 5. Amos 8, verse 5. Saying, when will the new moon be gone, that we may sell corn? The Sabbath, that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, and falsifying the, uh, the balances by deceit. They wanted the sun to set on the feast. 
on the Sabbath. It was a burden to them. It was a hindrance. It was something that they began to detest. And as a result of that, Israel lost their identity as God's elect. 